Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Gems of History podcast. I am your host, Jacob Shop, and joining me this week, I have Evan Roosh. Whoa, surprise guest. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. And the ghost of Mark Steinbrenner. Yes, yes, very unfortunate. Yep, so it's just me and Evan this week, so... Just, just to clarify, he did not die. <laughs> <laughs> just two guys chilling five feet apart in a basement because they're not gay. <laughs> what an iconic vine. Yeah, honestly. R.I.P. Vine. I know. Like, people keep on saying, like, oh, do TikTok. It's the same thing, but it's it, it's not. I just don't think it is. It won't have the same factor as, as Vine. There's those six seconds. You never know. Exactly. It's like six seconds to do something hilarious, so it has to be, like, drastically hilarious. Right. You have to be creative. I almost feel like there's more skill in, like, I only have this much time to make this funny versus TikTok where you can make them longer. I feel like TikToks are just like, like, I don't have it, but all I hear is like, oh yeah, there's like new dances all the time. Yeah. I'm like Vine was just, I don't know, just was, people making jokes. Yeah, it was just like short skits and stuff. Right? I loved it. Mm. There was like a period when I would be at work and I would go through all those compilations that were like vines that give me reasons to live and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. I always, it, it's always like the craziest names, like vines that cure my epilepsy or yeah, something right. like that. It's like, okay, I guess. I like mean, vines that like give me the strength to go on. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, people that come up with the clickbait titles just went ham on those vine ones. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then the first one is like, hi, my name's Kyle. I never learned how to read. <laughs> <laughs> And then there's like three renditions of like the same vine in there. It's just like, all right, I guess I can sift through the garbage to get the gems yep. <laughs> of history. Whoa. But yes, I hope you guys are all doing well out there. We do not have Mark this week. He has other obligations. So Evan and I are going to be taking this one together. And I think we'll be all right. We'll, we'll obviously miss the, the commentary from Mark, but mm. Evan's got the jokes on lock from what I've heard. So That's a lot of pressure. I, hey, last week you said I'm here to bring the humor. So <laughs> That's right. And just with the two people, I expect eye contact the entire time. <laughs> just stare deeply into each other's eyes. Well, I got to read my notes. So, I mean, that's going to be difficult, but mm. it's probably for the best. Yeah. I mean, I hand wrote all my notes this week because I don't have a printer and I didn't have time to print them off. So. Oh, you don't have a printer? Nope. I am not up to date on the technology. I don't know why I said, like, I don't have a printer either. <laughs> I was going to say, otherwise <laughs> I would have asked you to print it off for me. But And that was Talking Printers with Evan and Jacob. Technology corner. All right. Well, should we jump right into our trivia questions this week? Let's do it. All right. Less damage this week, because if I can only get one wrong, that means only one shot. Right? <laughs> All right, I'll start, I'll start us off this week. The shortest war in history was between England and Zanzibar. How many hours did it last? A, less than an hour. B, two hours. C, five hours. Or D, 12 hours. C was seven hours? Did you five. Say? You know what? I'm going to go with C. Okay. The shortest war in history lasted anywhere from 38 to 43 minutes. Oh, wow. Less than an hour. It was like a single bullet even shot. It was a, a short bombardment by the Royal Navy on the Royal Palace and Harem in Zanzibar. And that's when they raised the uh, surrender flag. But in that short amount of time, over 500 of the defenders of the palace died. And only one British Marine was injured. Oh, wow. Very lopsided. Yeah, Domination. Yeah, so 40 minutes, 500 people dead. That's pretty insane. <laughs> that really is. Yeah. Holy cow. So my trivia question for you, which historical conflict killed the most people? A, World War One. B, World War Two. Three, the Seven Years' War. Or, wait, I went Yeah, you went A, B, three. I was just going to let it keep rolling, yeah. but... Or D, the Vietnam War. Uh, I'm gonna go with B, World War Two. Correct answer was B, World War Two. I thought so because when we did our bar crawl, I looked up trivia questions for like which war did the most damage, kind of things, and that was on top. So I was like, all right. Yes. Yeah, so I was sorry, just looking to confirm That's okay. the total number of casualties. So, including military and civilian casualties, it was estimated to be between 50 and 56 million. Yikes. Oh, excuse me. That was just, um, sorry. 
an estimated total of between 70 and 85 million. Okay, I was going to say, when I looked it up, I thought it was like 75 or so. So that's... Holy cow. Not great. <laughs> that is a large part of the population. Yeah. But I was three percent of the population gone. Yeah, because I when I looked up that question, I ended up changing it to uh, which killed more, the Black Plague or World War One, and mm -hmm. it was the Black Plague. But like, the Black Plague was in like the fifteen hundreds and wiped out like sixty six percent of the population in some of the areas of Europe. It's like that's rough. <laughs> yeah, if we're talking percentages, whew. oh yeah, easily. But what are you gonna do? You had people just cutting you open and letting your blood spill out and saying you're going to get better so right like didn't the pope one of the methods that he used to combat it was just sit between two huge bonfires yep he just like, sat in his castle the whole time germs just can't get past fire but it worked because i actually just listened to a uh, podcast episode about it today where they talked about that and basically it was because fleas wouldn't come into the room he was in because it was so hot and dry, and they want the humid weather. Oh, yeah. So they avoided it, and so that's why he never really had to deal with it because there was no fleas in his room. So. The fleas were literally just like Wisconsinites when talking about the weather. Like, oh, it's really not that hot, but it's just, just the, humidity the humidity that will get you. <laughs> it wouldn't be so cold if it wasn't for the wind, you know? Ah, man. <laughs> Good old Midwestern weather. <laughs> yep. And that was Midwestern weather talk with Evan and Jacob. do 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 <laughs> We're going to have a lot of little segments today. But speaking on mass tragedy, that's kind of what my uh, my topic is focused on today. And it's not the Holocaust, but it's something around that period of time that's debatably worse than the Holocaust in numbers of total casualties. But in brutality, I don't know. The Holocaust is pretty bad. So I don't know if I'd go as far as to say that it's worse in that aspect. But I don't know if you've ever heard of this. but it is known as the terror famine in Ukraine and Russia. Oh, no. Have you ever heard of that? I don't think so. The uh, the title that it's been given is the Holodomor, which it's, I believe, the Ukrainian words for hunger and extermination put together. So if that <laughs> gives you any uh, clues as to how this is going to go, it's not going to be great. But yeah, the Holodomor was a uh, widespread famine and it was basically politically caused by stalin and it ended up in the deaths of millions of people between ukraine russia and the surrounding countries so i am surprised that it's not talked about more in school and stuff like that because it was pretty bad time for a lot of people and yeah i mean i've never heard of it before like probably two years ago so kind of blew my mind well drawing more a not fun parallel of history um the british actually did the same thing to the irish during the great potato famine yeah yeah early 1900s essentially just tried to kill all the irish yeah i mean through the same same way they at least had potatoes these these people didn't really have anything so. right well no all the potatoes were gone <laughs> no i thought it was that they could like only eat potatoes or that's all they had to eat Oh, I thought it's because the potatoes like were gone. Like there was a potato famine. It's one of the two. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I want to say that it's because they only had potatoes, but I honestly I don't know now. Right, they <laughs> just got like really sick of like mashed potatoes yeah. and French fries. Yep. But yeah, so I'll be going through the basic gist of what the Holodomor was, and I'm gonna go through a specific part of the Holodomor, which is one of the prison camps that ended up being formed because of it. But there's a lot of information on this. Like the There's a main source on it called... Uh, I'm going to forget the name of it right now. But it's by a woman named Anne Applebaum, and I think it's called Red Famine. But it's like 650 pages, and it goes through like all of this, so there's a ton of information out there. So I'm just going to give an overview, because otherwise we'd be here for a while. Yeah. I honestly just didn't have time to write everything, but... Ready to get into it? As ready as I'll ever be. All I feel right. like this one's going to be... Uh... I hope you're not hungry. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, just a background. So, Russia, the Soviet Union, took over Ukraine in about 1922 when Lenin was still in power. And it kind of became the breadbasket for the Soviet Union because they had good soil and they were able to grow much more grain than most of the Soviet Union was able to in mainland Russia because... 
Russia has a lot of areas that are famously not good for growing crops. Mm -hmm. So when Stalin took over, he basically wanted to utilize this breadbasket of the Soviet Union and use those crops to make money to fund a lot of his industrial revolution ideas because the money that they had, the the rubles, I believe is what they called them, mm -hmm. they really didn't have any value. They They basically were just like a placeholder for money. And so what he needed to do was sell goods to outside sources to get like francs or dollars or some sort of other currency that he could actually use to make progress in the industry right the rubles were just big ious basically yeah so that's why he needed these crops and that's why he focused a lot of his attention on ukraine and so one of his biggest ideas for kind of making this work was he basically told all of the private farmers we're making all of your farms into one big collective farm called collectivization and so everyone had to hand over their land to the government and everyone would work the same land all together and then however much that land produced would be how much the people that worked that land would get in like rations and food or whatever so people weren't really getting paid for this they weren't making money they were just trying to live yeah essentially forced servit servitude yes. if not slavery it's, if you want to go that yes, far it's late it's slavery without with a lot of extra steps involved basically yeah so i saw uh, there is one woman that was in one of the youtube videos that i watched and she was like crying in the video basically said like we were guilty we just didn't know what we were guilty of mm. we were just guilty for being ukrainian basically and i'll get in more of that as we go on but before that, I want to actually mention all my sources before I forget. So on YouTube, I used a channel called History Matters, Casual Historian, TRT World, and Geographics. And then for websites, I use Britannica and TheNewRepublic.com. So that's where a lot of this information comes from. There's a ton of like long series on YouTube about this, and I didn't watch all of them. I just watched a few of the shorter ones, so... So basically, once they started doing this collectivization and distributing the land, there are people who didn't want to give up their land, obviously. So a lot of the people that didn't want to give up their land were either A, sent off to some remote part of Siberia to try and like cultivate that land and settle that land, sent to labor camps, resettled into just some sort of random area, or just shot. Yeah. So you didn't really have a good option if you weren't down with the plan. And being Soviet Russia, they weren't very kind about how they would do things. So you you really had no say in what happened to you if you said no. But your best bet was just to say yes. And even then, no guarantees that it's going to go well. Right. Like the same same with the guy that dropped the Tsar Bomba. Like, he didn't have the opportunity to say no. Like, yeah. he wasn't going to get away. Miraculously, he did get away. Now, obviously, in this situation, it's at a much larger scale, but just kind of the theme with Soviet Russia. That was a scary time in history. Like, oof. Very scary. And it's even scarier that Russia just tends to not acknowledge a lot of, a lot of what happened. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's like, what? No never happened yeah uh-uh we like we we have documents right here <laughs> proving that this happened nah right Putin, putin's like fuck your documents right so yeah after people started uh getting taken away people started saying no to this whole plan there was a group of people that were known as like wealthier peasants and by wealthy it's not saying like they had huge houses and lots of land it was basically they had maybe a few livestock and maybe paid one or two other people to work the land, but they also worked the land with those people. Mm. So these aren't people that have a ton of power and are owning slaves or like telling other people to work for them. They're working in conjunction with people that they're also paying to work the land. So these aren't just saying they're wealthier isn't really the right way to do it, but that's the way most people describe it. Gotcha. But the term for those people was kulak. And a big idea behind Stalin's collectivization was also de-kulakization, 
which was getting rid of those people to kind of set the power structure so that it's basically all same level peasants Mm -hmm. that are trying to, if they wanted to, revolt against the Soviet government without anyone else to help them, really. Even though those kulaks didn't have much more than these other peasants did, but it was basically just, I can do this to these people, so just imagine what I can do to you if I wanted to kind of thing. Yeah. So that was like his main objective at first, was just getting rid of those wealthy landowners, mostly because a lot of them didn't give over their land easily, but also just as a symbol for everyone else. And Kulak is going to change as time goes on from like wealthy landowners to a different definition that's a lot more broad, just because they had to really ramp things up towards the end. But that was kind of the beginning of the effort to uh, kind of destroy the national identity of Ukraine because they didn't see Ukraine as a country that should be their own country. And that sentiment still continues into today because Putin, not even 10 years ago, invaded Ukraine again. Mm -hmm. And there's still a lot of sentiment that they believe that the people that live in Ukraine aren't, they don't have their own identity that's strong enough to be their own nation, so they want to absorb them into this, the the Russian nation because they they think, oh, well, we can do better for you than you can. So, yeah, that's probably just what the government's you know saying, like, oh, it is like the benefit of the Ukrainians. Oh, it always starts that way. Yeah, and then like some people and like the actual civilians are like, yes, that's the goal, but it's probably just the same situation. Right. I mean, they just don't have food. That's the communist motto is like, we're going to help everyone be equal, but mm-hmm. it never ends that way. Never. And unless they're equal in how they die, but that's right. pretty much the only way that it ever works. Yep. So, ways that they kind of tried to get rid of the national identity of Ukraine is once this collectivization started, there's over 100,000 that of like the trusted party members were sent in. And along with taking away food stores from the people that live there, they also went into schools and took away educational books from libraries that were written in Ukrainian, replaced them with something that was more closely related to a Russian language, basically just trying to get rid of any factors that would identify them as their own people and slowly absorb them into the USSR. And along with this, there's a ton of anti-Semitism going on because... Basically, the leaders in the USSR were saying that how could the the Jews who had their own language, their own religion, ran on the bank system, basically a capitalist idea in a communist society, how could these people live in our society? And they basically forced that idea onto everyone else. And the peasants kind of went along with it sometimes because... The Jews, more times when they ran the banks, they had more money coming in than the normal people would. So obviously they're going to look at it and be like, well, yeah, they're obviously bad. They can't be good for a society if they're not following along with everyone gets the same share. Mm -hmm. So that's prevalent in Russia. And obviously that carries over into World War II when you have the Germans come in, which. Yeah. So it's it's been around for even decades bef- decades and centuries before even this, but it's not a new idea by any stretch of the imagination. Like, Hitler wasn't the first one to do that. Yeah, it was not uh, a new idea that Hitler came up with. Definitely not. It was just that whole scapegoat mentality, too. It, yep. Just, like, you have to find the people to blame hardships on. And, I mean, we see it even today with some countries that oh. you have to pick a certain nationality of people to blame, you know, why things aren't going the greatest. That was an interesting point um, that you made with what the Russians did with the Ukrainians in terms of what they did to their schools, uh, replaced textbooks, kind of forced um, an integration into you know Russian culture. I mean, that is actually something that uh, the United States did with the and Canada did to indigenous people here and uh, led to... I'm not going to get completely into that. Maybe that'll be a separate... That'll be my sad boy. Yeah, topic. right. Um, but yeah, let's... Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of deaths, even just in schools, and essentially just trying to wipe out a nationality's identity. Yep. Um, in the same convoluted mindset of we're doing this for the benefit of the people, like those people, which 
that sucks. Yeah, I mean, like forcing your culture onto someone else is not the right way to help someone. <laughs> like, right. if you're gonna try and annihilate someone else's complete self identity, it's never gonna end well. I don't know how people would think that it would. It yep. just, I don't know. I guess maybe just having that much control over a situation blurs your judgment. But I don't know. It's kind of crazy. But one of the videos that I did watch basically said what Russia did in Ukraine during this time was basically a colonization of their country because mm -hmm. by the end of it, when all these people had died, they basically just sent Russian citizens to live in Ukraine and replaced a ton of those people that used to be Ukrainian nationals with Russian immigrants. So really? it basically ended up being a colonization effort yeah. in the end. So yeah, it, it's not great. No, not great, Bob. So once these communal farms started up, they got rid of all these kulaks who were the wealthy landowners, and they set these ridiculous quotas for grain that needed to try and get set. And when you when you didn't meet those quotas, there's obviously punishments. People, they would come and steal whatever food you did have and take it from you, or they would shoot the people that didn't meet it by like a good margin. But the reasons for that, besides having bad weather, overworking the people, you got rid of the wealthy landowners that knew how to farm. Yeah. You basically just have laborers now. You don't have the people that actually know how to cultivate the land, how to grow the crops well. You just sent all of those people out to Siberia and said, okay, now the rest of these people have to figure it out. Just picturing like, I don't even know what you call it, like the general that's like overseeing all this, like. What do you mean you don't know how to do this? Well, you sent the guy that does know how to do this off. Like, ooh. Yeah, you sent my boss. You sent my boss who has the blue. Basically, if this was like you're building a building, you sent my boss who has the blueprints off to another country, and you expect me to build it based on those blueprints <laughs> right now. It's just not going to work. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of Office Space. Just like, ooh, yeah, um, we're going to have to have you come in on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, did you get those TPS reports done? <laughs> So, he says no and gets <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I saw like some of the the officers would come through houses with like giant sticks with uh like sharp points, like metal points on the end. And basically they would come through and stab through the floors of some of these places looking for illegal stores of food and stuff like that. So they came through and took everything these people had. And wow. there was just no way that these people could survive like this. They had no food to eat because there wasn't, they were, everything they did grow, they had to give away to the government. And even if they did have excess, they had to feed an entire family. And if an entire family has enough food for themselves, but another family doesn't, they're going to start stealing from each other. Mm -hmm. And that just, it, it's going to lead to a lot of bad stuff going on just in communities in general. So, yeah. So yeah, it's it's very not great. So they they took food stores, they took livestock from people, which led to people trying to hide their livestock or butchering their livestock because they realized, well, I'm not going to be able to keep this thing if it's alive, so I might as well kill it, try and get the food that I can out of it now before they come and steal it, and then use that. There was a a comment on one of the videos that I watched that said my like the person's grandparents survived through this time period because they hid their cow in the woods and they kept getting milk from it and that's how they survived. Wow. Because I forgot to completely forgot to mention this at the beginning, but the time period for this is basically in the span of a year. All of this happens the the worst of this at least happens in a year. It's from like 1929 to 1933, 34 overall. But yeah. 1932 to 1933 is basically what is known as the Great Famine. Mm -hmm. So think about all of this that I've told you so far happening in that short of a time span. So once that starvation started to set in, when people had nothing to eat, they just became desperate, and they people began to try and flee the country, trying to get out to one of the neighboring countries where they could maybe scrounge up a living. Even begging would be better than having nothing. Mm -hmm. Or they would steal from the, the food storehouses and risk getting caught and executed, or stealing from neighbors, whatever they had to. And eventually, people even began to eat each other. Oh, God. Literally cannibalism. Really? Yeah. yeah there's a... 
if you look up Holodomor like photos, there's one photo where it's basically a table full of like there's a a human head just sitting on the table with like an arm next to it and just a family standing behind it. And I don't know how legit legitimate that photo is. Yeah. But it looks pretty haunting, so were we still in the era where it takes like three minutes for a picture to actually take place and also who just had a camera on them i don't think it was still that bad i think we i mean we had huge cameras at this point but yeah. it's not like it was impossible to take good pictures because this is right before world war ii basically and we had good yeah. enough cameras then so oh my god so yeah there's pictures of people in these collective fields and it's so sad because there's kids out there helping work and the kids are looking at the camera smiling and like the rest of the people are just out there working and it's just these kids have no idea that yeah they just their think... their lives have basically just been stolen from them mm-hmm. so it's just really depressing when you see that picture and know what happens after it and then there's just pictures of people laying in the street that just died in the middle of the street and people walking right past them or people like staring at the body but it was a daily occurrence yeah. there's nowhere you could go that you wouldn't encounter this and it's it's pretty bad and like the people that tried to flee and couldn't get out or got caught they were shot uh neighbors would sell each other out by saying hey they're storing food just so that the people that sold, like you could maybe feed your family if they gave you something for selling out your neighbor yeah so it's the definition of dog eat dog world because it's every man for himself at this point. Mm-hmm. So when uh, refugees did get out of the country, they would uh, they would make it to neighboring countries and start telling what was going on. And once that happened and Stalin started, he- started to hear like, oh, well, this is bad. I can't let the word get out about this. He reinstated a program that Lenin had initially had, which was internal passports. So basically what that was is you had to have this passport on you when you were traveling within the country at all times, and you couldn't leave the country. So basically it was closed borders, and inter-country like, travel was still monitored with a passport. Mm-hmm. And this is around the time where that Kulak definition changes, because people in general who are breaking the law or revolting or going against the Soviet Union they became known as kulaks and were smushed into that category where we got to send these people away. So when that internal passport stuff was reinstated, that was an excuse for the Soviet police to basically start going up to anyone that they saw on the street and like, hey, do you have your password? If they didn't have their password, okay, you're getting sent off to a labor camp or okay, you're getting resettled out here. And it was just a giant, a giant basically fuck you to the Ukrainian people by saying, we're not even going to let you travel within the country that you inhabit unless you do it under our rules. Mm -hmm. Was that just strictly in the Ukrainian area? Was that just Russia wide? It was, uh, it was all over Russia. Yeah, it was all over Russia, I believe. But in Ukraine is where they really enforced it. And like. They talk about, well, I'll talk about the Kazakhstan. They get hit pretty hard by this whole situation, too. So I'm assuming they had similar ideas over there. Mm-hmm. But Ukrainian was the focus for this just because that was where the the breadbasket was. That was where they produced, they thought they could produce most of the grain that they needed. So they really clamped down hard to try and take advantage of that region in particular. But pretty much at this point, everyone kind of agrees that Stalin has instituted a genocide on the Ukrainian people because he's putting into effect policies that started a famine, first of all, and got rid of all of the people that knew how to cultivate the land, and then after the fact made it even worse because he wouldn't let people eat, he wouldn't let people have any sort of food. So he basically took a bad situation that was already pretty much at rock bottom and took it below that. Not good. So by June of 1933, there is an estimated 28,000 Ukrainians that were dying of starvation every day. Wow. On the daily. Yep. Almost 30,000 people a day. So 
like like that's probably eight to ten months after he really started pushing this collectivization. Mm-hmm. So that just shows you how quickly this all declined into madness. And for reference, I believe Ukraine is about the size of Texas. Yeah, it's a huge country. So it's but that's just one US state size and that's how many people are dying a day in that area. Mm-hmm. So that like I said, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing someone pretty much dying in the street. Oh, that's so sad. And that's why I was I was like, how have I never heard of this before? Right? Like I mean it was just probably such a big hush job. Oh yeah. They I'll talk about that later, how much Russia tried to hide this. Like they did a census after all of this and the people that took the census came back to Stalin basically said, there's a lot less people than we thought that are still alive. Mm-hmm. And he didn't like that, so he just had those people shot because he didn't want anyone else to hear that. So that's when like the Russian people started to move in to try and balance out the numbers Yeah, to hide basically evidence that all of these people had died. <laughs> just like a complete downward spiral, and it's all caused by you know, the central government just being just not handling the situation at all. Like positive reinforcement, not positive reinforcement, but like let's say you do take over Ukraine, which A, you shouldn't regardless, but just let them keep doing their stuff and like have them give you a portion of the food. Right, exactly. Or have an exchange for, I don't know, like just keeping their lives the same. I don't know. But that's where that, the hatred of the Ukrainian nationalism comes in because That's they true. they just hatred didn't just all. yeah they just did not believe that these people deserved to have anything for themselves which is very sad and i mean it's not like it's the first time that something like this has happened i mean you mentioned it with us colonizing the uh north american continent mm. it happened it happened on a smaller scale here but still happened happens all over the place so this is where i'm going to talk about one of the worst places to be in all of this, which already oh. is bad, so I, I you can only imagine how bad it gets from here. You need to crack one to, to <laughs> yeah, one. yes, take maybe take another shot. So, the place that I'm going to be talking about is known as there's a couple names, so it was Nizinsky Island or the Nizino Gulag, which came to be known as Cannibal Island. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good oh, name. Boy. Oh, man. Good name. <laughs> Foreshadowing. So, in May of 1933, uh, there was a barge of about 3,000 prisoners that, was pu- that pulled up to this island, and they told them, you're going to form a special settlement here, and you're going to cultivate this land, try and grow, like, grow crops here, make it sustainable, and you guys will live here. So, 3,000 people got there on the first day. But... They found that of those 3,000 people, twenty uh, 23 or so had already died on the trip there. So it's about almost 1% of the people that you brought there are already dead. Mm-hmm. But this was basically just an addition to the already existing gulag system. So if you know anything about how that system worked, it was notoriously bad across the board. So... You can only assume that this is not going to be any better. Yeah, they weren't designed to keep the prisoners alive. At no, all. not at all. And I kind of briefly mentioned the the gulag system in my uh, the Dietlov Pass episode, but I didn't really give any details. But that could be an entire episode on its own, just talking about the different ones because there's so many that were bad. Oh God. So the island conditions were it was cold and harsh. It was basically in the middle of a swamp and this was in a very cold part of the world and they had no shelter and no tools so they just kind of dropped them off literally and said, yep. go get them literally just dropped off said make it work were there like any trees on this island like yeah they, the, there's they... trees and like tall grass but i guess how can you cut them if they don't give you tools literally nothing just yep. karate chop i guess just yeah. like the same same guy that like did the karate chop on that one guy in our class <laughs> yeah. episode just Get him there, have him cut down all the trees. Yeah, yeah. Jackie, Jackie Chan shows up. Uh, but yeah, they just dropped him off, said, work with what you got, good luck. And these people had already like been starving. Some of these people had already had no food to begin with because they got sent up here after the collectivization had started. Mm-hmm. So this, the, the river that was surrounding it was 
either frozen over or just ice cold. And armed guards would surround the island at all times. So if you did manage to get into the river and get close to crossing like the river and getting to the other side without either A, freezing, B, turning around, or drowning, you would get shot by the armed guards that were waiting at the other side. So really no chance of escaping this uh, other than death. Mm -hmm. So the original 3,000 kept growing. And it ended with almost 7,000 people getting shipped to this island. And for context, this island is 1.8 miles long and less than half a mile wide. And they had thousands of people on this island at a time. That's literally no room. Like, there's not no personal all. space. Not at all. And there's no toiletry system either, so... Nope. Eesh. No tools, no f shelter. Just so much poop. Yeah, probably smell terrible oh, there. Oh, man. And then, obviously, dead bodies wall. Yes. So, started in May. By August, only 2,200 of the 6,700 prisoners were left. And I believe around 300 of those were deemed to be fit for work. That's three months. Yep. Wow, that's insane. I mean, shit, it was effective because they definitely did not want to spend any resources on these prisoners yep. unfortunately exactly so the reasons for death varied from starvation to disease to being shot and there's stories of people that actually managed to start fires and they it was so cold out that they had to sleep so close to these fires that people would just burn alive because they would get they would sleep too close to these fires mm -hmm. and even like the food that they did end up getting from the guards ended up killing some of them because they originally were giving them bread and even then they would just throw bread in the middle of a crowd of people and have everyone fight over who could get the bread and then once they stopped wanting to make actual bread they would just give these people an amount of flour and say here you go so some people would take the flour and go mix it with this dirty river water mm -hmm. and eat that but some people would just try and eat the dry flour which would end up causing them to asphyxiate. Yeah. And they would just choke on it and die. So, oh, God. Yeah. Eesh. It's very bad. So there is people that would uh, obviously resorted to cannibalism, as is the title of this island. So one person recalled going to the island and seeing a woman tied to a tree and there's people cutting off her breasts, her muscles, and her calves in order to eat them. And one man who was a survivor of the island recalled, It was very easy. We made skewers from willow branches, cut it into pieces, stuck it on the skewers, and roasted it over the campfire. I picked those who are not quite living, but not yet quite dead. It was obvious they were about to go that in a day or two they'd give up. So it was easier for them that way. Now, quickly. Oh, so still alive, cutting off their... Eesh. Cutting off their arms and legs and skewering them and putting them over the fire. Privates, apparently. Anything they could get their hands on. Eesh. So... Dude, I'm just taking a nap. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from eating each other... Yeah. The uh, prisoners would beat each other up to steal their gold teeth because they would take their gold teeth out and trade them with guards to get, like, cigarettes and stuff. And the women would have sex with the guards to try and get food to mm -hmm. survive. And that, I believe, the woman that they found tied to a tree was actually having some sort of relationship with one of the guards and he dropped her back off on the island, came back the next day and found out that it was her that was tied to the tree and cut up so Eesh. i think they did that a lot total pivot but they did that a lot not to that extent but with uh french women that slept with german soldiers in world war ii oh yeah um i believe they shaved their heads and like paraded them through the streets of france so definitely can never side with the enemy yeah exactly but at that point it was like the only way that she could live right exactly you gotta even for those french women maybe do what you gotta do yeah so there is one story from uh, a girl who was living in a nearby town that these people would be brought to before they would go to the island. 
And she said that one day they had a knock on their door and these two guards or a couple guards brought this this woman to them. And she said she looked like she was in like her 60s or 70s, but she found out that she was only 40, but she just looked that bad and Mm -hmm. she had come from this island. And so she came in and she had bandages on her legs and stuff and they just kind of laid her down in the house. And she said, oh, yeah, I came from that island, and they removed the bandages from her legs and found out that her calf muscles were missing. And she said, yeah, they cut off my calves and ate them over there. And these guards took me off the island and brought me here so that I could try and recover, basically. Wow. Well, I mean, she never walked again, I assume. I I can assume probably not, but I have no idea. So, yeah, it's... You can see why it's got this reputation as Cannibal Island, yeah. because it was literally just people losing their minds trying to survive, yeah. and it became all anything-to-survive mentality. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really blame them, but also, it's, it's just, what are you going to do? <laughs> I think it's just that human nature, like, need to survive, because we see this quite a bit when people are driven to that point. Yeah. I mean, you look at the Donner Party, they yeah. had to do it. I mean, those, the, I don't remember what country they were from with that, the sports team that crashed in the mountains and they had to eat the oh, players yeah. that died on impacts to survive. And yeah. It's just, you got to do what you got to do to make it out, I guess. Man's got to eat. Yep. So that's pretty much all I'm going to cover as far as the brutality but just to to summarize at the end here the uh holodomor as a whole killed an estimated 3.9 million people from ukraine and 1.3 million from kazakhstan 13.3 percent and 22.4 percent of their populations respectively in about a year yeah so parents had to put their children in holes so as not to watch them die a father had to strangle his child so that he could either not watch him die from hunger or eat him. Mm-hmm. Uh, innocent people were sent to labor camps. And it's still debated to this day whether this fits the definition, the legal definition of a genocide, because there is an actual written requirement for it in like the uh, national laws. But... There's about 16 or more countries that pretty much have said, yeah, this was a genocide by Joseph Stalin against the Ukrainian people. Mm -hmm. Russia, to this day, still denies most of it, and a lot of the information that we have about it didn't come out until decades after the fact, because until the uh, Soviet Union actually collapsed in, I believe, 91, they wouldn't release any of this, and it was all deemed top secret. The, the, The story of Nizinsky basically came from one Soviet party member who went on the island and was like, I want to see what's actually happening here and report on it. And he sent an 11-page report to the uh, the Kremlin and said, this is what I found, this is what's going on. And they immediately fired him, deemed all of what he wrote top secret, and it wasn't released until 94. So they really went to great lengths to try and hide this. Yeah. The fact, I mean, they were able to cover up the deaths of, what, like, four million people? Pretty much. Well, including the individuals from Kazakhstan. Like, Yeah, so it was, because I believe it was that 13.3% in Ukraine, 22% in Kazakhstan, and still 3% of Russians died yeah. in this. So that's still a ton of more people. So just between Ukraine and Kazakhstan, that's over 5 million. So the death toll is only estimated because no one really knows exact numbers, obviously. Mm-hmm. But most people agree that it could be up to like 12 million people died in this time period, which is why I say that it's almost worse than the Holocaust. Yeah. Because just the sheer number of people that ended up dying from it. But I think one of the the worst things about this is that Stalin is still an idol in Russia. That's the scariest part. He's still revered as, you know, essentially like a founding thought. Like imagine he's essentially... I guess viewed in the same light as like George Washington for us. 
Yeah, he just recently won like one of the most like important men in history in Russia or something like that. So he literally is idolized over there, even after all of this. But it's the same way Putin is looked at, yeah. and he's still continuing to push some of the ideologies that were prevalent in this event. I don't know, like, should the Soviet Union technically disbanded or fell apart, but, I mean, a lot of the ide- ideology is still there. I mean, they just invaded Ukraine again, like, yep. not 10 years ago. Right. It's not great. But this this event's just a reminder that bad policies, deliberate whitewashing of information, and just blatant disregard for human life, it can happen anywhere and at any time. There, this isn't something that couldn't happen again. And it only takes one person person to push that ball and get it rolling, and then from there it can take on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. So history is definitely full of tragedy, but it's even more tragic that like we mentioned, things like this don't get talked about in mainstream education. We Not at all. We didn't hear about this in school, and if we did, it was briefly mentioned at that because I don't remember it. So it's just we need to talk about these things, even though it's very sad and very tragic. We just need these reminders that this could happen at any time again, and we need to keep moving to get better as a mm-hmm. society every day to prevent stuff like this. So. Yeah, I mean, we see it even now with, like, school systems in the United States, just not wanting to talk about certain aspects of slavery or, you know, the terrible shitty things that the United States has done in our past. Like, we, don't even, we definitely don't talk about the, like, Trail of Tears enough. We definitely don't talk about what I mentioned before with the um, integration schools. I know that's not the official name, but essentially just trying to make the indigenous people, Native Americans, white, like, kill their culture, essentially. Um, and we definitely don't talk about you know something as big as the uh holocaust happening or something that may have been bigger than the holocaust right and they may not have known but well you said 94 this all came out so when we were in school it was definitely enough time to put that in a, yeah. in a history book right um just with like history in general like we need to know the shitty parts that happened you know like sure you don't want to put that on like a fourth grader or something but right like teach these things in high school teach these things to kids that like it's not pleasant a lot of human history isn't yeah there's also tremendous things human history is built on a lot of tragedy oh god yeah and a lot of a lot of death yes but it's just like we need to know both parts if we're ever gonna get better so so there's my ted talk i, <laughs> I mean teach us teach us history yeah don't try to sugarcoat that's it. what here what's that's kind of the idea behind why we started this though it's just like talk really about is. the stuff that you didn't hear in school because we do a lot of fun loving and more lighthearted stuff here but we like also, dogs yes <laughs> but we also need to talk about stuff like this too and i mean i'm sure there's a lot of people that might not find this episode as entertaining as the other ones just because it's not as lighthearted and we didn't really make as many jokes but right i mean sometimes you just gotta put that stuff to the side and Mm -hmm. realize that we do have a lot of important things that are overshadowed by what we think of as mainstream now so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i granted was very sad i was very sad through a lot of this (laughs) but i mean it's just very informational and just kind of goes to what we talked about before like that is a big part of why we started this just to talk about these different stories shed light on you know i don't know five million people dying in the span of five years if not a year yeah so i mean ah god that that sucks i mean that really does yeah just the fact that that happened and it's just not talked about and not even acknowledged by most of the world's countries, you said only 13, 16? It's like 16 or 18 or something like that, I believe. Now, Please like, tell me that we're one of them. I like... didn't look at a list of who it was, but I'm, oh, okay. I'm almost positive we are. But yeah, it's... If not, we're doing it now. <laughs> we, we, as a podcast, yes, are it, recognizing it as genocide. In this basement with a Mighty Ducks blanket hanging right there. But the thing is, like... All of the videos that I watched basically said most historians and people that have researched this nowadays agree that it was genocide. It's just that people that are the officials that oversee what the stance is on it are not saying one way or another, basically. It's not that they're saying it's not. It's just that they're not saying it is. What else would you call it? Like genocide with a lowercase g? I don't know. Maybe that's the selling point. But it's literally one of... 
the most successful genocide attempts in human history, if not the most successful genocide attempt in human history. I mean, it was honestly, I mean, yeah, because literally just didn't give them anything. Yeah, I mean, you can say that the Holocaust is the most successful, but also that was just targeting more so the Jews as a people, which is spread out across the entire world, where this was targeting a specific country's residents and and the Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. So none of it's good. My word, no. No, no, no. no. <laughs> not great. No, not great, Bob. But was my Russian accent good? It was. Oh, good. I, I, I practiced it once. <laughs> so <laughs> I was a little worried. <laughs> Look at you with all your accents. And... I know. One of these days, I'll just be able to do them all. I cannot do a French accent. Don't never ask me to do that. Oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. <laughs> I, tr- I tried doing it for a D&D <laughs> campaign one time. And I, I got it for like maybe like three or four sentences and then I just immediately fell into a different accent. I was like, I cannot do this. That's a tough one. I mean, just accents in general. Like, good I might feel that's like a yeah, easy Aust- one. Australian's do. actually really hard to do. Ah, shrimp on the bob. If we have Australian <laughs> listeners, oh, we do. Like, oh, okay. We got like guys. three new countries that are listening now. One of them's Rafa, blah, 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 blah. One of them's Russia. <laughs> oh, great! It just happens to be Putin. Yep. Hopefully, then he can hear this information for the first time. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, not us. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Show me the proof. Like, <laughs> it's just. Have you seen the gif of him, like the woman running at him and like showing her tits, and then it's just him getting surrounded by security guards and like right through the middle before the security guards get in front of him. He just gives the thumbs up. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny. What a ca- wow! As terrible as that man is, yeah. I will still laugh at some of the things he does. For he sure. just has impeccable memes. That's happened it's several like- times. Like when he rode shirtless on a freaking horse <laughs> yes. he's just allowed to score i think it's one year a day maybe his birthday but one year a day where he'll play against professional hockey players and they have to let him score of course and he ends up with like 16 goals like hockey goals just because he's the president that just reminds me of uh when saddam hussein like was in charge of the soccer team and he would make them kick boulders after they lost and stuff. Oh God. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what, why? What is the point? It's like, you're trying to make your team better. It's not helping. Let's break their feet. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> in football. The, the one thing that they need. <laughs> yeah. So stupid. Uh, there's a lot of dumb people that get a lot of power sometimes and it's just pretty scary. It's it. I'm honestly like dictators just throughout the centuries they're just the loudest person in the room it feels like and they don't actually have any good ideas on how to run a country yep and me and my coworker were talking today about like this story should show you that when at least at least russian communism is just it's not a good thing i mean gosh no capitalism's not perfect either it's got plenty of flaws and i think those have been exploited in the past two three years very mm-hmm. clearly for everyone to see but I still don't think it's as bad as this. It's almost as if someone came up with like a hybrid method combining the best of both. Phone. Don't look at me. <laughs> I said if, I said if It was you selling pillows at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> so lie and say something. Yes. That's capitalism at its <laughs> purest, Okay, yes, you're, you're definitely right there. Uh, but yes, I hope you guys had uh, an educational time with this. I know it wasn't super fun loving and entertaining as it usually is around here but i i still hope you guys listened all the way through and learned something along the way because i do think it's important that we cover these things so Mm -hmm. but yes we will be back again i don't know if we'll be back next week it might be a week off just because we have the holiday weekend coming up and we've got a lot of i have a lot of stuff personally going on in the coming week so we'll see but if we aren't back we will be back the week after that i'm sure so don't worry about it too much. We will be here eventually. And until then, just go back. And if you haven't listened through all of the other episodes, go do that. Catch up. You got you got a little bit of time. And I personally think that there's a ton of fun and informational stuff in there. So if you guys want to learn something about something you haven't heard about, like maybe UFOs or unsolved murders or whatever it may be, dogs. <laughs> Bark. But yeah, go back and listen through all of them. We really appreciate those of you that have uh, listened up to this point all the way through. It really does mean a lot, and it's really cool that you guys have followed us through this journey. So you guys are as much a part of this show as we are. You bet, and honestly, um, well, first off, love all you guys. 
And if you're just listening to this episode, you're traveling, doing whatever, and you have some extra time on your hands, just a fun social media thing. And if you're listening back to like previous episodes, send us what you think is like, I don't know, like our best of, like not episodes per se, but like just little snippets, like segments, if you could. Do you have any idea of what you want to do? Like, let's just get a conversation going. What were some of our fans' like favorite moments of the podcast? Yeah, twenty two episodes. Yeah, twenty three episodes. This will be twenty four. So. Twenty. Oh, I get it wrong every time. <laughs> we're, I don't know how we have that. We've many almost episodes. been doing this for half a year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh my word! It's crazy. Yeah. Well, wow. well, we released two on the same day, so I mean, that was back when we only had like bags underneath my eyes now i just have suitcases underneath my eyes (laughs) yes thank you all for supporting us this far and you know we didn't really have any plans for getting it this far so (laughs) i nope (laughs) i mean think about we've we've been doing this for half a year we've gotten through almost 25 episodes we've broken over a thousand listeners we've done a fundraiser that's raised a thousand dollars for a charity had our own merch made I'd say we're doing all right, just for a personal aspect. Oh, my. We have 42 Instagram followers right now. Yeah, so. that's exponentially bigger than the last time I looked. Oh, God, yeah. We're getting there. That's all, that's all we care about. The is day we you... get verified or whatever, I'm going to weep on there. <laughs> like, how did that happen? Oh, by the way, I changed my Twitter handle. So this week when you go through our socials, my new Twitter handle is at Jacob from Wisco. So follow at Jacob from Wisco. Um, you can also follow me at Whatevskis. You can always follow Mark at, I mess it up every time, at Stein. It's at Mark underscore Stein B. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, our Twitter handle at Gems of History Podcast and our Instagram handle at Gems of History Podcast with a underscore underneath or in between all those words. Yes, and like Evan said, uh, email us, get in touch with us on socials, whatever you want. Our email is gemsofhistorypodcast at gmail.com. So along with uh, that, like, best of, like, what do you guys think are some of the best things that we've done? Like, that, that'll help us improve to give you guys more so what you want to hear. And mm-hmm. also, we want to hear more of your personal stories. We... If you haven't listened, go back and listen to uh, the the first Gems of Horror episode. I believe it's episode 14. Uh, but we read some listener stories in there. And if you listen to it and you think, hey, I've got a story that I could send in that would kind of fit this criteria, send it in. We always want to hear them. So. I mean, even if it's not like a horror story, like if you just have an individual in your family maybe that you know, experienced something historical, I mean, I would love to hear I mean, their personal stories, their personal takes on I mean, anything they may have been present for if there was someone at woodstock we need them on the podcast <laughs> that's what i'm trying to say that'd be so freaking groovy dude but i yeah, like uh the like the one person that commented on the youtube video and said her grandparents were uh survivors of the uh Holodomor. like if you guys have relatives that have like been a part of something that we've talked about see if you can get a hold of them and see if they're willing to to talk about what they went through because that that would be really cool mm-hmm. i didn't even think of that but we're looking for content. <laughs> yeah. We're looking to you to help us make this podcast good. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're kind of sick of doing this work. I mean, it's been half a year. Um, if you guys could actually help us, yes. that'd be nice. <laughs> Just one time. But uh, part of you guys helping us is we actually, uh, I think we decided that we picked the one person who donated the most by the time of the bar crawl. We're going to give them a topic to cover. And then we also had another donation uh, just at the time of the last recording that we think we're going to give them one too if they want it. So we'll be probably having two topics that you guys have chosen as group topics coming up in the uh, next couple months whenever we get to the, the group topics again. So I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys want to hear us talk about, and that should be fun. So, mm-hmm. But I think that's all we got for you this week. So we'll see when, we'll see when you see ya because I'm not sure when we'll be back, but... Mm-hmm. Until we hear, until you hear from us again, everyone take care. Have a happy 4th of July. Well, this will come out after the 4th of July, so I hope you all had a happy 4th of yep. July. Hope everyone has all their fingers and yes. toes. And... and don't start any fires. Yes, definitely don't need any of those. So Only have fireball, no fires. <laughs> Actually, Don't have fireball from my personal preference. <laughs> I was about to say, maybe not. Every, like Everyone that's, you know, I think just 
was an 18 year old at the time of the rain of fireball just kind of puked a little bit yes so do whatever you want just have a good time but be safe be responsible or i hope you were safe and mm-hmm. hope you were responsible. Have exactly 17 and seven well 1776 beers thank yes. you 1776 all right guys we will talk to you soon everyone take care bye guys